Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Trail Culture. I'm your host, Em Robertson, and I'm so stoked that you are tuning in. Today we are catching up with Zane Schmal, the race director of George Mutt by UTMB. We're going to be chatting about where the race started, how it became part of the UTMB World Series, to the operations that lead up to a favorite event on the trail calendar every year. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Great. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Trail Culture. Um, this week we are catching up and chatting to Zane Schmoll, who is a Hoka athlete, um, the director of George Mutt by UTMB, race director, um, an outdoor enthusiast and from what I've heard, a, a good cyclist and, and runner. Um, oh, he's also the race director for Transbabians, which is where the cycling comes in. And yeah, he's got a lot of experience putting on on world-class events and, and also doing them. So yeah, today we're going to chat about history with the sports, um, being a, ra- a race director, what that's like. I can't wait to, to get a bit more insight into that. The journey of Matt becoming part of the UTMB World Series and um, a little bit more. So yeah, welcome Zane. It's really cool to, to be in George and to be chatting to you on the podcast. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for the invite. Um, officially, my first uh, podcast interview. I've been an early adapter of, of podcasts and really enjoy listening to them. So I might uh, listen back to this and <laughs> think what what was what did I say? But um, very cool and thanks for having me. So so great, um, Zane. I hope we we live up to the the expectations of of being being on a podcast. But um, yeah, we're actually sitting in Zane's very cool office, adventure cave, uh, outdoor gear uh, place. So I can see from photos on the wall and just surroundings that you are an outdoor enthusiast and, and by your vehicle, which we, we already <laughs> spoke about. Um, yeah, but yeah, where did the sport journey start for you, Zane? I feel like there's some gold nuggets uh, in this one. Yeah, there is actually. Um, when you walked in just earlier today, uh, my wife was sitting in the office as well. And I was that d- double brandy and coke, typical South African coming oh, out of wow. school. Um, not uh, any clue of adventure sport whatsoever or interest. And I met my wife and um, uh, she's been you know, a mountain biker all her life and raced a bit in the sort of SA uh, cross country series and things back in, yeah. back in the day as, as a kid. And um, I, the very first race I rode on a mountain bike was on her bike. It was an old GT Avalanche bike that she gave me and, and I rode the race. And in that race, I won a Lucky Draw bicycle, a Scott bicycle. I still Epic. have the frame somewhere <laughs> of that bike. And, and like they say, the rest is history. We, I basically took the sport on and, and really started, I had to impress this new women in my life yeah. and um, uh, started riding bicycles quite often and then eventually um, actually rode the Trans Baviance which is a family event um, organized by Kremen's parents started it in 2004 Epic. and before that was the Tualem back that they started in yes. 1995 so um, I then entered for a Trans to try and show my my in, my endurance towards this relationship and yes. see if it's going to work and uh, did the trans I did it twice uh, two years consecutive years and then got married and 
and got forced into the family business. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was part time for a good number of years. I still did my normal work, um, which was actually I come out of a sort of a wood industry, so worked cool. in a sawmill for for good eight or so years, and then eventually progressed to Ikebound, that was event organizing. But uh, over that time, got more and more interested in, in adventure sports um, and then Epic. started trail running. And my first race that I entered for trail running was Otter. Um, no uh, Yeah, and it was a big, a big thing for me to train and plan. And, and I, all, I still joke with, with guys like Ryan Sands and Ken Riley. I went to one of their little things before the Otter in Hart Bay and they were there. And I've got like that typical groupie photo with the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> in our day so when, when I just started out and I still to this day um, now that we've become friends and it's a it's a different scape I still think yeah. about where I've come from in the trail running scene that's so epic and now you're like taking them on reckeys before your race in George before they want to come and race to win that's that's a cool full circle yeah exactly it was like I uh, I actually met Ryan after that again on Sony Pass of all places. Oh, cool. um, him and Reno were busy doing one of their, or Reckeys for their expeditions. And we were at the border. And oh, as a matter of fact, I had his book in my car. And I <laughs> no went way. again, the full on groupie <laughs> thing to him and said, can you please just sign my book? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was the second time. And then eventually now we, we yeah, we, we see each other regularly, oh, actually. So, yeah, so that was trail running. And then good mates of mine, um, that uh, Hanu Smith is actually a very well-known adventure racer. They st started putting the bug in that you need to adventure race. Yes. And I was like, oh, adventure racing, it sounds like, it sounds hectic. Yeah. And, and it is hectic. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually got convinced to do a race and I... Um, the bug's bitten and I've done a couple of a big expedition race uh, ever since on that as well. Yeah, I was that was one of my, my questions from, I mean, you have cycling, running and then something possessed you to add, like probably double the distance you usually do and add some, some rowing and I don't even know what else makes up adventure racing. But I think you, you participated in the World Champs last year. Um, a very good friend of mine was on your team, Suzanne Hobson. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I we, didn't know that you were mates. Yeah, That's we awesome. uh, we've run a lot together. Some of my uh, most crazy trail stories involve her. Uh, okay, she, no I one can, can get you to say yes like her. Um, but I mean, yeah, from, from uh, I'm going to let you talk about it, but having a sit down with her after that was wild hearing the stories we were all our first question was like did you sleep and she was like no not really um so yeah give us a rundown like what was the ar world champs and i also want to know where did you find time to train and race for that after george mutt and being a dad and an and uh yeah i'm keen to to hear yeah, uh, um, um, we might not have enough time in this podcast to, to, <laughs> to unpack that. Um, yeah, first of all, Suzanne, what a champion. Um, really, really good. First big expedition race like that. And the sleep, yes, that was her <laughs> nemesis. And um, she didn't sleep much. But, uh, yeah, adventure racing is really, for me, the ultimate point of endurance sport because it's it's about navigation, it's about uh, sleep deprivation and doing all of these massive distances. And it's so 
it's so weird because on paper or when somebody tells you about it, it sounds like impossible. But, yeah. but it's amazing how possible it actually is. And Suzanne is, is a brilliant example of that. Um, yeah, so I gave you a bit of a rundown how I started to get into adventure racing and that progressed and, and just the back bit. And it's, it's really um, the other guy that was in the team, Brundle, uh, Robert yes. Lebrun. You should know of him as well. He, him and I always jokingly say it's the best sport that exists um but anyway so yeah the 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 world champs was the first time ever in south africa um it's it's quite an old sport actually um it exists and it started in in france mainly and it exists all over the world and there's been the arws which is uh, adventure racing world championships have races all over the world and this was now the first time that it was the world championships was hosted in south africa so it, cool yeah it was very good and it was also the biggest participation of teams ever recorded in a race yeah so i couldn't believe how many teams there were i was on like a whatsapp group um for for one of uh, i had another friend participating and uh the, one of the guys posted an aerial photo of the race village and like all the teams dropped like zones and i was like how many people can do something like this so yeah, yeah. no that was amazing and what was really cool for us as south africans is we really did compete in the world best stage like everybody was there um on on every high level and and also the amateurs and so on so everybody it was quite a serious side and also quite a great vibe to have everybody there so that was really cool and so that was the world champ so also all the other races i've done before i've done quite a few in in south africa and then i've done a expedition race in india before wow and i've done one in on an island called rodrigues which is yes. just off the coast of mauritius basically um, which was a very cool concept for a race um, but so I've, I've traveled a bit and done a couple of races but um, this one was going to be the biggest it, it, it was the biggest it was we the the race director said about 800 k's in total distance that we would cover um andrew our team captain in our in our race he recorded all on his on his garmin and we clocked 912 kilometers mm. through all wow. disciplines so it was really big it was a lot longer being out there than what we've ever gone so there was also unknowns for us into that race yeah um and yeah so to like uh, I can't remember the exact figures, but it was basically 13, 14 legs. You ride your bike, you run. We don't run fast all the time. It's a lot of it's trekking. Okay. Except when your team sees what happened to us in the very last leg. So now you have to understand we've been racing for five and a half days. We're going, we, we finished on just over six days, basically Wild. in, in 24 hour periods, if you break it up like that. Um, and we were, we saw the second South African team into the, the last transition or actually just before the last transition, we saw them and we knew, okay, so if we wanted to be the second South African team on the circuit and it would have put us in 13th position, worldwide we need to now race yeah and i remember and my feet were absolutely tickets it was blisters i lost basically all the skin on my little toes no more nail it was just like a bloodbath in socks and um we started running four minutes a k (laughs) on the last leg over 
sand and through coastal vegetation. After no sleep for five days and you're on the tail end of 900 k's of, of racing. Exactly. Oh. And I ran up to the team and I said to him, guys, are we seriously doing this after everything we've done? <laughs> Um, but it's amazing how you find energy and, and exactly that's actually those moments is what you live for in doing adventure racing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we, we finished. We, we did catch the team and we, we finished second South African team, which we very proud awesome. of. And yeah, it was a, it was a cool experience. Um, very cool. Training for it. I don't know. It's, 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 it's just like you can only train up to day three of the adventure race. After yeah. that, it's mental. Yeah. And also, you need to have a base. So you need to be, you know, you you should have been doing this sort of thing for a long time um, to know that you can just carry on cycling and you'll be okay. Knowing, like, how far you can go with little food or little water or little sleep yeah. and just reassuring you that you've been in this situation before and it's okay. Yeah. Where I think that's that's the biggest barrier for a lot of people is to figure out where where those limitations are. Yeah. Um so my training was very little um because I so and and this is part of the discussion with Matt that we'll discuss now as well but um I had malaria uh, um, in April last year, and it was quite a severe case of malaria. Uh, I was in the hospital for about two weeks. Oh, hectic! Yeah, and it was it was proper. Um, like they they the doctors started preparing my wife for for the worst actually because Flip. they didn't really know what what was going to happen. And so I didn't train for a big part of after. Well, then I had to go straight into organizing mat, and then try to start getting back. So the team was also very much unsure whether I would be able to race or not. Yeah. And it was evident in the race from the second leg, I was already in the pain cave and pretty much in the pain cave for the whole of the race. So I hated it for that point of view because I really didn't ever come back to the level where, where the team was at. But yeah, that was that was it. So training is just going out every day and okay. being being out for long hours. I suppose being uh, I don't know what lends itself to what being uh, an adventure racer makes you a better race director or vice versa. Because I can imagine similar experiences, little sleep, moments of stress, having to like work with a team in a situation that is not ideal. Uh, there's like probably a whole lot of that that's that overlaps. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I think adventure racing complements so many things of of ra- uh, adventure racing of day to day life. Even yeah. even you mentioned kids and family as well. It's just like balancing all of those things and managing it. Um, being being in situations where it's literally life or death in in a in a mountain situation or wherever, it really coaches you to be a better person in day to day life. Not saying that I still don't get it wrong and I still make mistakes and I still, you know, get you, you, you get agitated with your kids or things yeah. like that. It still happens. But I do believe it it brings a certain calmness over my approach on things. And, and especially in, in race directing, you need to be able to think about the decision you're making and not just make decisions because you are... Yeah. You're making important decisions. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And communicating that, I think, in like a crisis moment as well. Like if you panic, the rest of your team is going to, it's like a snowball effect because as the message gets relayed, that just kind of gets ratcheted up. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, Jane, I mean, 
adventure wise i don't want to just say running but because it might be adventure racing but what do you have something in the pipeline for this year is the focus largely kind of mutt and then and then you'll see or is there anything cool that you you're planning yeah i've been jokingly going around in town with people meeting me and asking the same question and saying at, at the moment i'm only prepared to go as far as my seven-year-old at the moment <laughs> Um, so, and I, I jokingly say that, but I do, I, I have not earmarked anything for this year. Um, unfortunately, the Expedition Africa race um, this year will clash with, with the mats. It's going to be a Namibian race, the adventure okay. race. So I won't be able to do that. The team is deciding whether they'll go with or without me. Well, they will need to go without me. Um, we're toying with the idea of doing maybe an overseas race, adventure racing, but at the moment I'm, I've actually s promised my family as well that uh, quite literally I want to do more adventures, just a bit more focused on my family and yeah, getting, cool. yeah, getting the boys out to do things. And, um, my wife and I are actually planning our own little backpacking trip now in March. So we just, I just want to do more, more lower key things with, with my family and and focus on that and then hopefully regain some energy for for a new a new racing season in 25 there's there at the moment i will be going to chamonix whether i'll Epic. be racing is is the question so okay. or running I, I won't call it racing so i might just go and do the mont Blanc lap over a couple of days awesome. or not uh, not do an event but um i will be there for utmb to go and check it out you know, at least so uh, cool yeah. and just to see like yeah that race we actually we're gonna we're gonna get into that uh just now but before i jump the gun i mean we are sitting at the foot or very close to the foot of the, the Otaniqua mountain range. This I as I drove in here I was like, oh, this is like outdoor Disneyland. Like uh it's just an amazing place to to run and, and some of my best memories are here. But um Zane, have you always lived here or when did you start running in this area? Like yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, the Otaniqua has become very special to me and it is a special place, George. Um my wife's born and raised here, so she she's always been here. Um, I was born in Natal, actually. Oh, cool. And then had a had like high school stint was up in Joburg, and um, then I had the typical thing where we all in that era after after school went to to the UK to go and do things there um, that involved some working and some partying. But <laughs> um, and so I travelled a bit in in the UK mainly. And then when I came back, my parents have relocated to George. So I didn't have much of a choice then to come to George, met my wife and came through. So, yeah, that's how I found myself in George. Um, but in terms of running, yeah, and it's a funny story. So I've always, when when I started, the first adventure sport I took up was cycling, was, yeah. was mountain biking. So I always rode, yeah, but with the mountain biking trails, you sort of stick to the contours and, and there's obviously nice uh, single track and that sort of thing, but you never went to the peaks yeah. in, in mountain biking. And then um, Jacques Mouton and I started talking about doing a trail run event in, in South Africa, oh, in George, in Otaniqua. And um, we, at the beginning, I wasn't too sure I started trail running. By that stage, I've already done Otter and I've done a couple of events. So I was really keen on, on developing 
trail running as for myself, but I wasn't sure if, if I wanted to present it as an event. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, Jock and I eventually went and sat out to run the route that we that we envisaged to be the 60 kilometer of the mat and to be quite honest before that i did venture on foot obviously i went and run and but i haven't done like that full loop of what we we thought we plotted it on on maps and yeah discussed back and forth and and anyway one morning we set out and and we ran and we ran the full 60k um and i still joke to this day that we were coming through the last section of, of the 60K route and then Jock decided also, now we're going to run four, 450s. Um, and it was it was a great, and I remember, and that uh, I've, I've used that a lot in my in my commentary about the mat, but I, I've, I've, I distinctively remember coming out, it was started to rain and coming out of a section that we called Tornalbos and running with Jack and, and just thinking by myself, this event can't just be a trail run for the sake of hosting a trail run. We need to do this properly. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I've gone to, to math discussions already, but um, yeah, so I think I've been running in these mountains for, for the last seven years actively uh, and really, really love this space. And it's, it's so, it's so special because it's, it feels when you're up there, it feels you so wild and remote yeah, in the mountains, sure. but literally just 5Ks as the crow flies, you're in a city with uh, all the necessary and uh, things you need, you know, restaurants yeah. and everything. Yeah. And I mean, the, the leap from you have this idea, you run the 60K route, you're like, yeah, this can work, this is fun, um, to actually like putting on the race. I mean, what was that like timeline, would you say, um, and was there a moment where you guys were like, oh, my word, we're putting on a race? I mean, and having like hundreds of runners come is another whole like ball game. Yeah, yeah. Two years. Two it years, took, cool. It took to figure it out and, and to to think about what we want to do. And, and you always, it's always, it's difficult to, and I think today it's a lot a lot more, I still get a lot of people phoning me or contacting me and asking and saying like, we've got this very cool route would you be interested in hosting an event here and looking at setting up an event because you obviously know what you're doing and stuff but it's so difficult to to launch a new event in today's terms yeah. and even back then it was already starting to get a lot more popular um so it, it was a it was the, at one point we had to make the step and take the risk and and put the event on um but yeah growing it from where where we started with i think our very first event, we only had 180 athletes all over all distances. We obviously had less distances. We didn't have as many as we have now. We have five races now. I think we started with just three races okay. back then. And um, it, it was, a, it was a, quite a thing. So it, it took us two years to figure it out. You want to try and get partners involved to make it, make it bigger and better. And didn't really come to the party. We didn't get any sponsorships or anything really, and uh, and then eventually got to okay, we're just going to do it and and host the event, and then started growing slowly. And people, I think, what we also did with that very first year, which was really good, was we we set a, it up for a proper stage. We made nice. made sure the media was good. We made sure 
the branding and the way the event ran and the trails were well looked after and people's experience was good. And we, we were really proud of, of that event and a lot of my time and energy went into manifesting that and getting more and more people aware of, because I think before Matt, and I don't wanna sound like it's all around Matt, but before that time of the Otaniqua Mountain trail running scene, George was just the place you passed through to get to Plate or to Nasna or yeah. to Muscle Bay. It wasn't, George was, you know, you might come and do your shopping for your holiday. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a destination where people wanted to come spend time or live here um, or, or, you know, holiday here. And I think it's it's changed a lot. People want to be here to ride, run, and to, to paddle the rivers and everything. And George is so well centralized. Yeah. And I love the term you use, like the, it's Disneyland, you know. And also now being part of the UTMB series, and we'll unpack that now, but it also, I've heard comments like people saying it's like the little Chamonix of, of South Africa now, yeah. you know. And I really believe it's got potential to become that and to be it, yeah. um, which is really cool. Yeah, I think uh, this is great training ground for anyone doing um, the UTMB like final in, in Chamonix and just the Mont Blanc Mountains. I think there's few uh, peaks in, let me say, easily accessible peaks in South Africa where you can like train frequently based on like where most runners live. Like I know we have the Drakensberg, but yeah, like yeah. surprisingly very few athletes live out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I can totally see that and seeing athletes flock back here every year and wanting to come and run just the six peaks route or sections of the mud route. Um, yeah, I, I can, I can understand why people do it and numbers wise then, I mean, what, what was the turnout last year? It felt very busy. I mean, you guys yeah. have now gone to five distances uh, yes. at the event, but yeah, compared to the first year, which was in six years ago. So that was in 20, what is that? Uh, yeah, this year will be our sixth year. So 2018. Yeah, cool. it was our first year. That's right. 2018, 2019, and then 2020, we had, yeah, that's right, six year. So we've, um, we had, last year we had about 1,200 athletes. Awesome. Yeah, which was really cool to see how much it's grown from literally, I think the, the number sticks in my head of 138 on the first year. So okay. I, th I think that's pretty accurate if it's, grinded in my um and yeah we we are already well over a thousand uh, i think we uh, over a thousand two hundred already for for this year and awesome. we we're looking at probably capping it at around a thousand five hundred for for may um which all indicates that we'll we'll get there i think the the 25k the the mat challenge is going to be closing quite soon okay and they sold out i need to enter <laughs> <laughs> so it's um it's quite a cool um it's great it's, it's a great feeling to see and to like visualize what we we thought was possible but you always doubt yourself with any dream when you think this is going to be what you you want and you set the bar and um it it's been a surreal experience to see it grow to where we are now and we're getting internationals coming to run and yeah. and it's and and like back to the story where i chatted about ryan and the first time I met him being like this typical groupie and now hosted yeah. event where he came to run and win it. It, it. It's like a full circle thing. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's sometimes you 
you, uh, I'm a typical person that that always wants to drive for more and bigger and better. And um, and sometimes my wife reminds me to just sit back and realize what we've done up to now. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's great. I think that looking back, we often forget. I'm also a keep it moving type of person, and then to look back, you're like, oh wow, this is really really cool um hopefully in five years time you'll listen to this podcast and be like oh gosh we now have like 10 distances and this many <laughs> athletes and <laughs> but um i zane i want to get this right but um with the move to join the utmb family i know um that was big news i mean that's the first event in south africa that's forming part of um the utmb world series and those races happen all around the world and competing in a UTM or a buy UTMB event gives you something called running stones, which I'll put a link in the show notes to explain that system. And then you essentially get the more stones means more lotto kind of tickets to get a draw for the UTMB final, which is in Chamonix, um, yeah, in the Mont Blanc. So is that... Is that correct? You, you, yeah, you, you've nailed it. <laughs> it always it always seems like it's quite a quite a thing to figure out, but it's actually quite simple. But yeah, you've nailed it. That, okay. That's hundred percent. The only thing that I could add to that is that at our races, as part, being part of the World Series, the podium winners get a automatic yes. uh, entry into the finals as well. Yeah, yes. which is I think part of. Uh, a lot of people race for like those tickets I know like Western States has got these golden tickets that you go and race for and I know that that was a huge thing for a couple of athletes and I think was it Taryn Fanikarp last year she crossed the finish line and then she looked up and I asked her like how do you feel and she's like I'm going to, to Chamonix and I was like okay you've just run 100k's like just give yourself two minutes um but that yeah that is like a massive um kind of benefit to get those athletes there and i think it's so cool you then have the best of the best who've competed around the world are now towing the line for this like epic final and showdown and just great that south african athletes have the chance to go and measure themselves i think kind of on the world stage Um, yeah 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 i think um it was also not an easy thing. It it came over quite a period of negotiations and back and forth and figuring out what it actually means and how it will impact our events and yeah. and what it what it is, you know, and, and how how it what it does that mean for me personally as a business owner, an entrepreneur and also wanting to still live my lifestyle that I live and how does all of those things impact this decision to, yeah. to do that um and it's and it's it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride being we've now hosted one event one year yeah. under the utmb banner and this year will be our second one i think um it yeah so to, to just paint the picture of getting it there was a lot of negotiations back and forth and obviously for the utmb world series to really make sense they needed a race in in, in on the african continent or in in the african side and uh, we were delighted to be part of that negotiation and looking um, at what they needed and what what the requirements were to yeah. be part of the race at that stage also we didn't host a hundred miler and both myself and Jacques Maton at that stage thought that 
you know, maybe George isn't ready for a hundred miler yet, uh, and and whether the route should be a hundred miler because we knew our sixty kilometer, and we've then noticed that a hundred kilometer yeah. were quite tough races to compete. So we knew they were quite hard. We weren't sure if if the miler was 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 what was needed, and that was also something that we had to consider because. Obviously, we needed if athletes win a a spot into the finals, we needed to comply to the to the miler side of things. Yeah, we're quite excited about our miler routes that we've hosted the first one last year, and it's it's a great route and um, and it's yeah it's quite a tough route obviously, but it's it's for a, sure. <laughs> I think when I saw the route profile and it was like cool, the first climb of the day is the VK climb for the mile athletes i was just like yeah that if that's the first thing of the first order of the day then the rest of the race is just gonna be hectic yeah it it was a tough decision that and but we we quite quickly resolved it because it was you're gonna go we want to take them to the top of the mountain to the peaks it's yeah. so pretty there some of the most sublime running for me is between the two peaks which we call the saddle you just got these views and yeah it's where, where you get your that flow state but um it it was important for us to to get runners up there and rather in the beginning than at the end of the race so sure. so that was that was the easy part yeah and i think that the the miler route is a is a really special route and um yes it is tough and i think all of the mat routes unfortunately are quite tough um Fortunately, unfortunately, but we we never set out to or set out to make those routes super difficult. We we rather wanted to we like looked at what do we want to show people, what do we want to yeah. expose them to of the mountain and what what vibes and what running states and and single track and where and and all of those things. What what w will make a great route. And then if you put all of those things together, unfortunately in the Tinikwa, you end up with quite a tough, tough course. Um, in all our disciplines, um, I, I remember, I think it was the second event that we hosted on our 25K route and AJ Carlitz that year ran it and he, on the 25K and he came over the, cross, the line winning it and he I was there to give him a beer and he looked up at me and he said, I think that's the toughest 25K in the country. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I think that that marathon distance as well and the 60K, they're both right up there with yeah. uh, being the toughest in the country, I think. But beautiful. I mean, I kind of how I convince people into this is like you, you suffer for the best views that you can get. I mean, I halfway through that marathon last year, you like come around this corner, you've been through Herald Wines, the aid station vibes are epic people are screaming and shouting and it's just awesome and grab an orange slice and you kind of have this great flowy single track just before the dizzy heights climb yeah and looking at that from the bottom up i felt like i was in europe i was like this is stunning and i loved every single second like you get to the top and then again like just more views wait for you the single track you feel like you're on this epic adventure so no i'm like I think that's what brings the the people back. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't shy away from it because of its technicality, but yeah. do train for it because <laughs> there are no free kilometers. Um, but Zane, in your transition um, from kind of it being your own, um, is Jacques kind of your partner in this or is he just part of the team? But like, is it your guys' event, would you say? 
Yeah, so in in terms of being part of the UTMB, yeah, scenario. I want to talk about like the transition. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, phase. So the transition hard works is that so uh, my title and I, I'm not a person for titles. I don't like titles. We we do whatever needs to be done. But if we have to break it down into those terms, I'm I'm the race director and I'm I'm pretty much like to my amazement also being part of this big international team now. Um, I still pretty much need to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, although although we're getting a lot more support from the international team with marketing and with, uh, you know, the way things are, are set up and certain standards of what need what is expected in, and what, like, simple things, like what the bib should be printed and look like. And yeah. obviously now we've also got the influx of bigger sponsors that sponsor the entire series. Yes. Where I think in South Africa still it's very difficult as a, 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 a event organizer on your own two feet to find big corporate sponsors. And, and whatever people may think about events um i know a lot of people do it where they just go onto our sites look at our entry price look at our results do that quick math and say like these oaks are making a shitload of money um which is not the case yeah and and for the first three years of matt we didn't walk away with a cent in fact we paid in yeah um and it it it's it has always been and it's it's a difficult business sum to make always with with events um, and also where we still do Transbaviance and to Alan back on that front to get sponsorship to actually change the the athlete's experience, which has always been our main focus as event organizers from Ecobound side with my father-in-law and, and also handed over to me is that the number one thing is your athlete experience and then and, and your route, route is, is the number one thing. So anyway the the transition phase of of this whole thing it there's a lot of pluses that came our way there's been negative things where well i won't call it negative but there's just been where we i've worked in a in a season format before where now typically january is the start of math season where i have to focus on getting all the math things and it's pretty much still there but with being so part of the utmb series i have to every bi-weekly i sit in a meeting and and after this podcast i sit in a meeting with all the race directors of the entire emea group so all wow. the um emea's Europe, Middle East, Africa. So all the other race directors of the IGA and all the other big events in Europe, we sit in in a meeting and we discuss things, which is that's also really cool and beneficial for trail running in general in South Africa because I'm knowing, I know what what's on the forefront of the industry, what's Very happening, cool. yeah. what people are thinking about, and that sort of thing. So that's th there's a lot of help in that, and we discuss things about route markings you know like and and for instance our route markings were now voted as one of the the ways of doing it with the way we do it so they've learned from the south africans can you believe so it cool. <laughs> so, so there's all sorts of those little things that we pick up from them and they're yeah. from us which has been really beneficial jock is route director and and that's his title and he needs to focus on on the routes mainly so marking of the routes uh, maintenance of the routes clearing of the routes and making sure the things are we still work so 
I've taken more the role of of communicating everything to the bigger group, to the to the the Ironman oh. and the UTMB group, and making sure all of that works and and involves. My wife still does athlete services, if if that's what what we we call it, and then Jack is pretty much focused on what he's always been doing, is always focusing on on the roots, and and awesome. we still discuss together if we want to make changes or what's working or what's not working or we go and run a piece and figure it out or, or whatever um so yeah that's basically how it works um we do have um we work with with uh so i report to with the event to uh, uh guys that sit in in the states that's in part of the the global trail running federation or, or the the uh, ironman global trail running and then also into europe like i said so yeah it's that's i don't know if you need more information no that. no that's great <laughs> it's cool to hear um that there's like a two-way street in terms of learning there's discussion it's not just like saying see you next year you've got kind of a support system and and i'm sure it's local and and abroad i think there were there were a couple of i think utmb kind of affiliated I want to say staff, but people I saw mm. last year, the mm. accents coming in. Mm. Um, yeah, no, somebody sure. spoke at prize giving as well. Who I think yes, and that, group. that was Paul. Um, awesome. And yeah, Paul is, he's the director of trail running uh, globally. And so I speak to him on a weekly basis, uh, which is really, really good to get his in influence on all of that. And he was at the event and uh, Juliet. And yeah, so there's, there's a lot of that influx. They're coming again this year Correct. and they're helping us. And, and some of our marketing team will consist of, of, of European people as well. Awesome. Um, so that's, that's good. But on the other side of that is it's a small it's a small group that will come from from there but what is really cool and what i appreciate about the way they've set it up is that i still have full reign of subcontractors people that we bring into the Epic. event so we still use local we make sure that we we use as many local people as we can for infrastructure and everything we rent in so um in the end it's always there's always the question about the money um and and the money still gets spent in town in george people yeah. still benefit from that the tourists that come into the country also spend money in town yeah i live in town so i spend the money in town um and also uh, if we want to talk that it's like a quick thing is we've been spending before prior to to utmb being part of uh, being part of the utmb series we could only afford between i think in the early days it was like 5k but we at the very end we could only afford out of event budget to spend around 20k to trail maintenance to maintain trails wow. and to open and that sort of thing we spent 120,000 rand last year just on trails just cutting <laughs> opening maintaining and that sort of thing and 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 the budget is is again at that level this year which is really good because that makes me happy because now it's it's a lot of that's what i feel the event is almost like the biggest gift 
to yeah. the trail community in George is, or whoever travels here, is that the trails are maintained and For you sure. can go and run throughout the year because if we open a trail now and maintain it, it's going to last the year until next year yeah. again. Yeah. Um, and that's really, like what I said, the, the biggest gift that we give to, to the trail. So there's been a lot of that. And, and, you know, I think I don't want to make this podcast about it, but there's been a lot of controversial commentary about this whole UTMB World Series, especially in the last two weeks yeah. um, around what and, and this whole series and people saying things about Ironman and things about UTMB. And I can't comment about all of that that's being said, but what I can say is that it's not the case here. We, we are community-driven. I'm still in charge. We run the event the way we want to run it, and it's about our community. And I always always joked that um, this event, I've never referred to it in the past and will never refer to it as my event or Jack's event or my wife or anybody's event. It's George's event and it's the community's cool. event. And it's important to understand that because when you run it, you've run it before, you will feel that. Yeah. You will feel that the guy at the aid station feels as much passion for the event and you as the runner as I would. Yeah. And that's really a cool sell of our event or idea yeah. of our event. Yeah. That is so cool to hear, Zane. I'm so glad that it's that it's you've you've got input, it's you've got a say and that it it's building back into the George community. That's amazing. And I can attest to the the investment of the whole community. I think every time I come here I get invited for a run or something at the trail kiosk and people are like do you know about George Mutt uh, and even at the aid station last year there was a very kind I think it was the last aid station and I was not in a good state and, and there was a lady there who like I felt like I was treated like her daughter she she like called me down gave me some coke and like I don't actually know to this day if she was part of the event or watching but I was being like looked after and um yeah just epic that that's particular aid station stuck in my mind there like was that at the cross at the cross yeah, yeah I'm pretty like 99% sure her name is Lisa Despivel and I'm uh, pretty much sure that was her okay I'm gonna like <laughs> Follow up and be like, do you remember <laughs> this like sickly looking runner that yeah, came yeah, through? Yeah, shame. The thing about her is probably you went like she treated all the oh, girls, she had uh, everybody like coming through. Yeah. yeah, she's like, I, I helped you all, but um, yeah, that's really cool, um, Zane. And I'm really, I mean, I'm looking forward to the event this year. I mean, it's its second year of being mutt by by UTMB, and I'm I'm excited to to see kind of. Yeah, how it goes and are there any major changes compared to last year that we can expect stuff that you've done differently um or are things looking looking quite similar no we've actually got quite a b few big changes uh, with the event um we've unfortunately outgrown our venue where we've been um f from the start and it was a big decision because it it's got quite a bit of a romantic um sort of uh, appeal to me that venue it's just the way when you drive up and you see the mountain and all of that but it's it's a nightmare in terms of infrastructure parking and all yeah. of those things and I had simple things like water and electricity which is a, a absolute nightmare <laughs> yeah. into in terms of hosting that event 
to be honest, we could have probably just done it on an open field in terms of what we what we are able to access on that property. So for us, we are moving to our stadium in town, which is the the, the rugby stadium. Yes. You should have driven. No, maybe you wouldn't have driven, but you will tomorrow or when you go up that side. And it's um, what I do like about it. It's it's a lot more centralized. It's in in the middle of town. So especially for anybody traveling from out of town, including our internationals, it's a lot easier. Like a lot of our accommodation in town is around that area. So people would be able to walk to the venue. Very cool. Um, and I, I'm hoping that it will also, the general public of George will also then uh, take more ownership of the event, the restaurants and everybody take more ownership of this big event being being in the center of town. We so obviously for that we had to change a few things on the routes. <clears throat> Our long distances, in essence, are still is still the same routes. We just changed the start and finish loop to that. Um, but our miler, our hundred k, sixty k is still the same, and the marathon will have a slight remote start. It's also within walking distance from the the stadium. Very it's cool. actually a trail kiosk, so you've been oh, there. Cool. So in that park, a trail kiosk. Nice. So we'll start there go up into the mountain there and then you'll finish at the stadium okay awesome. and then the same for our 25k and our 10k the 25k and the 10k are complete new routes so the 25k is not the same route that we've had it's a complete new route we're quite excited about it um maybe i shouldn't be saying this but maybe a bit easier than, <laughs> than the previous 25k route Still ticking a lot of nice boxes. You did the marathon, so they'll be coming through till Norbos and finishing with all the right. other events. So, I've, like, yeah, I, I jokingly say, like, when you walk into Tornobos, it feels like you, you walked into church, the outdoor church. It's <laughs> like it's it's such a eerie, special, yeah, those spiritual leaves. place. Yeah. So it's a, obviously a lot of the time when I'm going there, I'm alone. In the race, it might be slightly different, but it's yeah. So they'll go through Tornobos and come back to the stadium and um, those are big big changes um, I said to somebody yesterday it feels like Matt's next week because it's like, <laughs> the intensity of organizing at the moment it's quite intense yeah um, it's just because now it's all new again yeah where you've known certain things with 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 um, Vertfontein where we finished before or started before we now into a phase where we need to reinvent the wheel and and my biggest fear is that we've got this big awesome venue now and that we're going to drown in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we we and there's some cool stuff that we in the pipeline i can't share exactly yet but um there will be live entertainment and and, and awesome. uh, on a stage and things and we're going to probably it sounds like we'll have one of the big south african artists there as well playing live music on the sunday after the race so and, and, cool. doing and just like pulling people pulling yeah people and there. just have a have a chill time yeah. after your run and also obviously the the 25k and 10k will be on the sunday and not yeah. on the saturday so there should be a, a good vibe on the sunday yeah. yeah that's so cool and to make sure that you're still cheering the miler athletes who most of them are busy for two nights, not one. So it's always nice to have like a nice vibe at the race village when, when they come in. Um, and Zane, it's cool to hear like a little bit of the behind the scenes, what's going on. I can imagine like as you and your wife sit here, like steam coming out of your guys' ears while you're like frantically organizing. But um, what would you say maybe in the last year or two 
in the lead up to to Matt has been your biggest challenge, either as a team or a race director? Like, is there a specific thing that stands out when you think of that, where you were like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it over this obstacle, or or has it been relatively smooth sailing? Yeah, I think in event organizing, it basically consists of obstacles every day. (laughs) (laughs) You've got things, problems in on event week, it's even more so it's obstacles to 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 overcome all the time. Um, yeah, I, uh, to to go through my memory of things that would stand out, I think if if I can run back to what what happened last year, and I touched on it with the adventure racing side of the chat was was the malaria thing, and and I distinctively remember being in the in the hospital bed, and just only like really only having 10 or 30 minutes a day of focus where I lined up meetings in the hospital bed of subcontractors, the tent guys, the printing guys and everybody to come and see me. (laughs) And then I felt so bad. Luckily, most of my suppliers are my mates as well. So they, they understand and they all came in and then they would, I would like tell them what to do (laughs) and what needs to happen. But it's like where I normally try and brief quite quite precise and try and delegate quite well because you need to um well my suppliers will tell me i don't do it but i try to be at least (laughs) is um i just gave them like a tip of what needs to be done and it was amazing i still to this day and and mates and and volunteers that that always volunteer at our events also came to the hospital bed and like asked what can we do and what and i can remember um a very my one of my very good mates is also my bookkeeper and and accountant and looks after my personal business and matt and everything and and i remember him sitting next to me and i said to him dude i just really need fresh fruit (laughs) (laughs) and he drove and he and he went and bought me fresh fruit and then we continued the meeting of what i wanted him to do financially wise to make sure so and it was it was such a cool experience to know like I've got the everybody's got my back yeah and it and helped me and I'd still to this day don't know if the community was worried whether the event will not take place or whether I would die you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like equal measures of yeah, warrior yeah so that was a big obstacle to and also I can remember I uh, actually. I was putting up some branding at the event venue and I heard a voice behind me and I was like, should you be doing that? And I looked up and it was Ryan Sands and he was, he was there. And I, and I realized in that moment that I couldn't, like I didn't have enough power to put a gazebo up like to, to, yeah. to do that. And I realized like, shit, what are you doing trying to organize this major event, all this stress and you still sh- like, flipping only 50% of your energy. Yeah. And that event, I, like I got quite emotional after the last finisher of the Miler because I just realized that it all came together and there's really cool people and it was a testimony of our community and how strong the the depth of it is and how cool it was. So that's maybe like touches on what you asked. Um, The day-to-day obstacles are 
are emails like <laughs> emails of people with their requests. Oh wow, okay. So so this is a, a request to read the information on the website before yeah. sending a mail. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very comprehensive. I remember your guys uh race like brief document that you sent out last year. Like usually it's like a one pager at certain events and this one it was like a PDF document. Lo- location for spectators what to do where to do a b- drop bag well i was like this is all you guys have thought of everything <laughs> yeah so yeah i would say i had a field day with the designers with that thing but um <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's amazing uh, we, we all, trail runners and general athletes we all well-educated people but it's amazing how lazy people could be to read things on a website. They want you to tell them. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> I want to hear from Zen today about yeah, this. Yeah, and I just write it off to laziness because, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it's cool. <laughs> but it sounds like you've got like, um, yeah, I can hear you've got a love for, for this. You've got a good team around you. And it's really cool that you are kind of fully present and healthy in the lead up to, to this year. I'm sure that's making a difference to like, where you are in the organizing compared to compared to last year no definitely already i'm like people i'm already preempting people signing contracts and getting getting our media team and everybody together already so it's like a lot earlier than last year it was all our last minute or it felt last minute last year yeah and i had this big thing on me because now we the first event of utmb and the people are coming from overseas to watch this thing and (laughs) you're like shit the, the the director of trail running's coming he's gonna go sit next to me and um yeah it was it was so much fun actually because we sat in the in the sort of race office and just chatted and really got to know and everybody in the end which is really cool of all over the world we're all just people and yeah. we're just doing cool things or trying to at least yeah. no you guys you guys are and i think it, literally time is gonna fly and i'm gonna be sitting back in george ask post george but by utmb saying zane how was it did everything go according to plan the whole the whole situation we'll be able to talk about also like podiums i mean the times are crazy we haven't even touched on that that's podcast episode number two but <laughs> seeing like the caliber of athlete that the event draws and uh the times that are, are being run is just awesome um oh, yeah really cool yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah i mean time flies then thanks for carving out uh, like an hour to to chat about this to give us the the lowdown on what's happening with with matt um in in the lead up to the race we appreciate it i think the listeners are going to love this. Hopefully it also encourages you guys. You heard that the race is approaching capacity. So if you're on the fence, this is your sign to, to sign up. Um, and I think last question, just this is like a fun uh, one that I usually ask everyone who, who comes on the podcast. But what is your favorite trail and why? Hmm. My favorite trail is, um, so it's also difficult for me because you're asking a person that, that surfs, paddles, <laughs> rides, run, yes. but to try, trying to stay to the topic yeah, of trail running. And, and I do, uh, 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 I shouldn't say this out loud, but I am biased to trail running. It, it is my favorite sport. <laughs> nice. um, but definitely 
we we call it the the George Peak Loop. So it's it's a hard run, and I don't get there often to go and do it. But it's it's going up the VK, so that's already like the the barrier to entry. But and I think I touched on it earlier in the conversation. But once you reach George Peak and running between George and Craddock Peak yes. on the saddle there, that's 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 where it is. That's a favorite spot. That's oh. it. Yeah. And is that is it the only the miler route that goes through there, or does the mm. hundred? Okay, yeah. so. Only the miler. For everybody else, um, the second favorite spot and where, where I got the feeling of making this a international and world-class event was what you also did is just after Dizzy Heights and we that ridge line that you yes. run where you've got that big, vast space on your left and on your right you can see the town and, and the ocean actually yeah and um that's also that's pretty good yeah. yeah that's unreal this guys for every kilometer of suffering you have a view i'm just reminding you but yeah and for those who want to see zane's favorite trail 100 miles is what's in your future <laughs> but um yeah zane so cool thanks so much for for coming on today good luck with all the organizing and the last stretch uh and we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks for 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 the mat cool thanks thanks for having me and thanks for interviewing my first podcast so great cool There you have it, folks, the behind the scenes of George Mutt by UTMB. So great catching up with Zane and hearing about how the race was started, the transition over to a UTMB World Series event, what goes on in George in the lead up to the race and more. We also now know a little bit about adventure racing, which is cool. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I will see you back here next week for our next one.